And let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Pastor is uh, with our Spanish this morning and uh, filling in for uh, Brother John Ordonez. His family are uh, away uh, the next couple weeks, and so i uh, bring in prayer for them. Uh, but Pastor will be filling in. Next week, we'll, there'll be a special guest up there uh, with, uh, with the Spanish, and so Pastor will be uh, back with us uh, here in the English 1030 service uh, next week. Uh, so for this week, you get the Great Value Brand Preacher. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, I hope, uh, hope you don't think that, but uh, turn your Bibles Matthew chapter 22. And we're continuing through uh, the uh, commands of Christ. And uh, how many of you men went to the men's camp out this weekend? Okay, I believe there was about 33 of us that were out there. Uh, we had great weather, didn't we? Uh, it was a little hot, but it was still good nonetheless. And we had some good time uh, around the campfire, good time around the cows. We had some cows come right through uh, our campsite there. Even as we were leaving, there was uh, rumors spread that there was a bear. And uh, so, of course, my tent was right up where the bear was. And so I was trying to do my best, pull my car up there, throw everything in. And, uh, and so, exciting, exciting. Not the type of excitement I like, but uh, still exciting nonetheless. We, we had a good time at the men's camp out uh, this year. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, I hope that's where you're at. Once you've found it, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. Again, we're continuing through the commands of Christ, going through this series of uh, cautions. And Jesus gives a series of cautions that we are to uh, look out for. And Matthew 22, verse number 17 is where we'll begin. And we'll read all the way down to uh, verse number 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Who is the image on the subscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. And then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for thoughts that we find in here. And Lord, we don't uh, look at this as just mere words of men, but we look at it as the very words of God. And so, Lord, today I pray that through the preaching and through these uh, elements that we speak of today, I pray that we'll leave here changed, not by any, uh, any talent or any uh, ability that we have in and of ourselves, but Lord, we rely solely on your spirit today. I pray that your spirit will guide us into all truth. I pray that you give me, though, the right words to say. I pray that you guide my lips. And uh, Lord, we have an exciting week planned with Neighborhood Bible Time. I pray that you bless that. We've had a great weekend with our men's camp out and all the other elements that uh, have taken place. But Lord, for this moment, this time, we ask that you meet with us in a special way. And, uh, Lord, that this Sunday will not just be just another Sunday that comes and goes, but it will be a, a Sunday that we uh, leave here changed and more like you uh, because of the things we've heard today. We ask in your name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. You ever noticed how passionate people can get when they don't, when they don't get something they really want? Especially if they feel they have the right to have it. 
You ever seen a, a child that maybe wants a piece of candy on the aisle and they say, Mommy, 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 I want that candy. I want that candy. And, and maybe you kind of see the mom looking from the corner of her eye, pushing the shopping cart, hoping that the child will just leave it alone and we could just move on. And uh, all of a sudden the child realizes, Mommy's not getting the message that I'm putting out. She's not following what I'm saying. And finally, uh, mommy maybe turns and says, no, no, I, I, we're not going to get that today. And then you and I have both seen it, the explosion that takes place, right? How many of you are with me this morning? You see, you've seen those, those elements where, uh, you know, uh, just a child believes they should have that candy and they're not getting the way that they want. Or perhaps even a teenager arguing over a, a boy or a girl that they like. Or uh, two adults arguing over a parking spot at the store. Uh, it wouldn't be a preaching message if we didn't talk about driving and parking in some way, right? Uh, two co-workers arguing about uh, potential promotion at work. You know, sometimes people can get passionate over these different things, but then you add money in the mix, and now things go up to a whole new level. A whole nother level of passion, and people have fought and even uh, been killed because of money and passion being involved in a situation. What happens if you fall behind on your bills? The debt collectors begin to call. I remember just uh, a year or so ago, uh, right after we had uh, Danielle, we had a, a bill that we didn't know we had to pay. And, uh, we, we didn't receive any bill in the mail, but we began to get all these calls from all uh, these debt collectors and said, hey, uh, you owe us, you owe us, you owe us. And we're kind of a little confused. We like to stay up on our bills. We try to stay organized in our finances. And this was just one thing that just fell through the cracks for whatever, whatever reason or another and, and uh, began to uh, answer those calls. And they said, hey, you owe us. It was only like $20 or something like that. And, and I said, well, we'll pay it, but we just want to know what we're paying for, please. And, uh, and lo and behold, we never even received a bill. And I asked on the phone, hey, please tell us what this is for. Please tell us what this is for. Please tell us what this is for. And it just began, began to be this snowball of an argument. You owe us. You owe us. You owe us. I know, but what do we owe you for? Please tell us. Please tell us. And it was an hour-long conversation of just arguing until finally it got escalated to a supervisor who then sent us the bill and realized, okay, now we know what we're paying for, right? But all of those things, all around money, uh, all the about you owe me and and all of these different things sometimes uh, create passion and anger and all different all different uh, uh, types of things that can pop up in uh, in our life. What happens if you don't pay your property tax or perhaps even that pesky car tax? I mean, you received that car tax in the mail, right? Um, not a fun thing, but uh, nonetheless, right? Government believes they uh, are owed it. People want those things that rightfully belong to them. Matthew chapter 22, it was a Passover week. Jesus was just a few days away from being arrested, beaten, and crucified. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were working hard to trap Jesus in His words. They developed a series of situations, and difficult situations nonetheless, and sent various people to question Him and try to trip Him up. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God. Jesus uh, was sent to die for the sins of all mankind. 
If you go back to the Old Testament, we find that there was uh, uh, there was a, a uh, before Jesus, of course, there was uh, what they would do uh, on the Day of Atonement. They would take a spotless lamb without blemish. They would inspect it. And they would look at various aspects of this lamb before sacrificing it to make sure that it was truly uh, spotless and without blemish. And all of that was to point towards the uh, perfect spotless Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is coming to die for the sins of all mankind. And as these Pharisees and Sadducees are coming to trip up Jesus, they didn't know it, but they were fulfilling prophecy before their very eyes. You see, just as the Old Testament folks would have to inspect this lamb, it was through these questions and through these difficult situations that it showed time and time again that Jesus truly was the pure, spotless lamb of God. If we read just a few verses before the text we read this morning, we find that in Matthew chapter 22, verse number 15, the Bible says this, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might, look at this word here, entangle Him in His talk. They wanted to trip Him up. They sent out uh, unto Him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that Thou art true, and teachest the ways of God in truth. Neither carest Thou for any man, for Thou uh, renderest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest Thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Matthew lays out for us, the intent of these evil men. You see, God knew what was going on in the hearts of these men. Jesus uh, was not uh, just caught off guard by these things because He was truly the Son of God. And He knew what they were thinking. He knew the conversations that were going on behind the scenes. And, uh, and so uh, we see that even through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Matthew lays out the exact intent as to why these men were coming to Jesus. The Bible says that they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. So what was the trap that they set? We, of course, see what Jesus had spoken here. We see the end result of all of this. But think of it from Jesus' perspective. Think of it as just a, perhaps even a normal man receiving a question like this. You can see the the tense situation that is uh, about to uh, transpire here. The Pharisees hated Roman rule. And wanted nothing to do with paying taxes to Caesar. The Herodians were a group of Jews who were loyal to King Herod. A Jewish uh, puppet uh, ruler that was set up by the Romans. The Herodians were in favor of the Jewish people paying taxes so uh, that that Herod could have the money to finance the kingdom. So we're seeing some of the characters that are being set up within this situation. We're seeing uh, why uh, certain people were sent uh, to Jesus to help give you a backstory here. If Jesus said, pay the tax, then that would turn the people against him. As that would uh, be highly unpopular, right? Just as if uh, we were to say, hey, give, pay taxes, right? Pay, uh, uh, just give uh, all your money there. And, and uh, it's not a popular thing, right? Nobody likes to pay taxes. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we find here Jesus answers himself very carefully. But if Jesus said, don't pay the tax, then you see the obvious problem there. 
Now you have a problem with the government. Now you have a problem with the Roman rule. And, and no doubt, they would then seek to crucify or, or at least uh, torment Jesus by telling great crowds of people not to pay the tax. So you see both ends of the spectrum here where it's difficult for Jesus uh, to uh, speak to the people. They try to catch him off guard. The Herodians and the Pharisees got together. Some of their low-level disciples that Jesus wouldn't really uh, recognize. And they came to Jesus and used flattery to get Jesus to, uh, to be off guard here. Slander is what someone will say behind your back that they won't say to your face. While flattery is what someone will say to your face that they won't say behind your back. So they're using flattery here. In this conversation with Jesus, Jesus saw right through their acts and called them out on it. Look at your Bibles, Matthew chapter 22, verse number 18. And Jesus, what's that next word? Perceived. He saw through it. He knew what was going on. Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why temptest ye me, ye hypocrites? Wow. I bet they probably walked in there, probably wringing their hands together, maybe a little grin, we got them. This is, this is the question that's going to get them tripped up. And so they say, hey, what do we do with this money? Huh? Do we give it to Caesar? Or do we give it to God? What do we do? And then all of a sudden, Jesus gives this scathing remark, why temptest ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. They bring him a penny. They said unto him, Who is this image on the subscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. And said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that, that are God's. Jesus was not fooled, nor was he threatened by their weak attempt to entangle him with their own words. But rather, Jesus uh, asked to bring him a coin and asked the crowd this question, whose subscription is on the coin? These coins uh, sat in their pockets and, uh, of every Jewish citizen. This was a currency that, was, uh, that the, the temple rulers allowed to be exchanged for temple money, uh, if you will. They worked, and, uh, they worked with it and they traded with Roman money. And Jesus' response, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. He doesn't take one solid answer uh, towards one side saying, give all your money to the government. He doesn't take the other side and say, well, withhold from paying taxes. Rather, he gives the brilliant answer of finding uh, what is right in the center. Yesterday, I was uh, speaking with our, our men at the men's camp out. And we gave this devotional in uh, Colossians chapter uh, 4, verse number 5 says this, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. And one of the things I reminded our men is sometimes we get in very difficult situations. And they come at us just like that, in just a, a, a moment's notice, and we have to give an answer. Maybe it's a spouse that comes with a problem, and, and uh, uh, the man stands there and ponders, what do I do in this instance? Or perhaps there's a problem at work, or maybe there's uh, something going on at the church, and, 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 and all of a sudden a problem arises and we think to ourselves, what do we do? And the Bible reminds us that we are to walk in wisdom. Sometimes we just need to pump the brakes. You ever got caught in a situation where you just had to react quickly 
come up with an answer which seemed like yesterday, right? Just all of a sudden. I remember when I was a kid, I, uh, I was probably about uh, 14 or 15 years old, and I worked uh, for my dad. My dad, he owned uh, an amusement uh, ride business uh, over at a, a local orchard, and and uh, he has a train there, and just a uh, uh, pretty, pretty decent-sized train, one of those trains you'd see can maybe at like a carnival or, or uh, some kind of amusement park that would go around, loads up uh, passengers. And, and uh, I used to drive that train, and I loved doing it. I loved uh, ringing the bell, tooting the horn, wearing the whole get-up, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that, was, that was really one of my first jobs. But one of the most difficult parts of the job was not driving the train, one of the most difficult parts of the job sometimes was dealing with some of the people. And uh, I, would, I would typically work on a Saturday, and Saturdays at this orchard were always so busy. Uh, we'd have the train entrance, kind of imagine it, kind of right up in here, and we would take tickets from people, and there would be a line that would go all the way down uh, the aisle here, all the way to the back of the auditorium. And on some Saturdays, it would, it would be as long as going all the way down one aisle and coming all the way back down the other. It was uh, a long uh, line and a whole lot of people. And to compound things, sometimes people would have birthdays. And so we would have to accommodate for different parties and uh, they would pre-plan uh, the, uh, when the, the party was going to come up to the train. And so uh, in the morning I would get a ticket and it would say, hey, uh, at this specific time you got to clear the train and, and allow for this specific party that is reserved a time to come on up and enter the train. And so... I remember receiving a ticket that morning for what seemed to be a pretty large crew, and I already knew that that day it was going to be very busy. And again, I'm about 14, 15 years old, and so, uh, you know, just little old me, uh, it's about to handle all these different people. And I've done it with my dad before. I saw how he navigated certain situations, and so I was just going to do my best to do exactly what my dad had showed me many times. And, and so that day went forth, and person after person after person rode that train. And I remember all of a sudden we uh, unloaded the train, a bunch of people went out the exit, and, and uh, I remember as I was just opening the gate to the exit, all of a sudden I turned to my left towards the entrance and a whole herd of people just fly up on the train. They hadn't given me a ticket. They hadn't done anything. And, and so uh, I, I, I real quick just tried to usher the rest of the people off and turn over uh, to the entrance and say, hey, excuse me, excuse me. And a lot of these are just young kids. And so I'm just trying to uh, keep them away from the train and say, no, you can't get on right now. And all of a sudden, what seemed to be this seven-foot uh, lady, she just comes t- uh, just walking right up to me. It was like a giant, you know. And I'm just I'm looking up, and, and she's looking at me, and she's like, we have a party scheduled, and we're supposed to be on this train. And I say, oh, okay, well, uh, I'm sure that we can take care of that. Just give me a moment. Just give me a second here to just get these folks off. And, and so she says, no, no, we need to get on this train because now is our time. I said, well, I understand that. We'll get you on, but we need to make sure we do this in an orderly fashion. And she just was not going to have that. She walked right by me. She started telling all the kids, you're going to sit here. You're going to sit there. You're going to. And I said, miss, you need to wait, please. We need to do this in an orderly fashion. We can't have people just running around the train. And she walks over me. 
And she's just, I mean, she's just mad as a hornet, uh, and, and she just was not going to take orders uh, from anybody. And now all of a sudden, because uh, she's opened the entrance, now all these other people that aren't part of the party are starting to make their way on the train. And, and now I have a catastrophe in my hands. I have a party of angry people. I have some folks that, uh, that uh, are waiting to pay and give the ticket, and they think they're entitled to get on next. And, and I, said, I said, no, we need to stop. And I'm thinking to myself, how do I handle this? Now I have uh, some angry folks. I have some people that are already on the train. It was a difficult situation. You may look at this and say, oh, it's not really that hard. Imagine yourself as a 14, 15-year-old having to deal with uh, some 30, 40, 50-year-old folks, right? That's difficult. And they're mad. And they, they all want to get on the train. They all think they are, are the next entitled. And so I remember being in that situation and, and, and just uh, feeling the pressure of the situation. And you know, some of us today, we have situations where at that moment we feel the pressure. We feel, I need to do something. I don't know what it is, but I need to do something. And sometimes we find in Scripture that, that we're just supposed to wait. We live in a world today, waiting is not a word that they use, right? We live in a microwave society. We live in a, uh, I need it now, right? iPhones, uh, they give you the information immediately. I love how every year, right? I've never had any lag on my iPhone or at all. Uh, everything seems to be going fast, but it seems like every year they launch a new iPhone or a new thing that goes even faster. I remember one time they said, uh, it goes 200 times faster. I thought to myself, it must know exactly what I'm going to type before I even type it. And now we really are there, right? With autocorrect and things, it just seems like things just pop up, right? Uh, right as soon as uh, uh, you start to put in uh, the word or whatever. And we just live in a society that with neck brake speed, we're flying down the road faster than ever. We always need the fastest car. We always need uh, to have the food yesterday. The irony of fast food, right? Everything else has gone faster. It seems like fast food's gone slower. Uh, but nonetheless, right? We want things now. Some of us want church on demand. Some of us want this message to be over. Uh, some of us, right, we want things quickly. But it's important, it's a, it's a good principle for us as God's people to say, while the culture says I need to do something now, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to walk in wisdom, I'm going to allow God to tell me exactly what I need to do. You know, sometimes we have that very same mentality towards God. Sometimes we pray and we say, God, you should answer this now. You should answer this at this moment. And God's simply in heaven saying, wait, my child. I have something much better for you. I was reminiscing just the other day with my wife, and, and uh, sometimes we go on Facebook Marketplace, and we like to uh, purchase, use things and uh, uh, for different things. And right now we're we're looking for uh, uh, a little play set for, uh, for Danielle. And, and uh, I was talking to my wife, and she said, we've got to get this. We've got to get this right now, or else it's going to be sold. And, and so uh, we're looking to go forward with it, and, and all of a sudden, boom, it's marked sold. And, uh, and she turned to me, and she said, well, uh, we just got to go quicker. We've got to go quicker. We've got to get it. We've got to get it. 
And I began to talk with her and we began to see that, you know what, every time we try to do something on Facebook Marketplace and we want to move quickly, sometimes we're still not quick enough, even though we try to move quickly. And uh, we, we reminisce how God sometimes will close door after door after door after door. And you'll go four or five doors that have all closed. And finally you get to that last door and it's better than all the other doors could have ever offered. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? Maybe it's a job and you say, oh, I've got to jump on this job offer. I've got to jump on this opportunity or this vacation or this trip. And one by one, you just don't seem like you're quick enough and you're not getting it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, door opens and you think back, wow, I wouldn't have had this had I gone forward with any of the other things, had I been just a little bit quicker. You say, Pastor Andrew, why are you sharing uh, all of this today? Listen, none of us truly have all of the resources that Jesus had, right? Uh, he was omniscient. He was omnipresent. He was omnipotent, right? He knew what was going on in these people's minds. He knew what was going on in other scenes and sets. Uh, and all of that played a part in him and his decision-making and giving the, these, uh, these individuals the right answer at the right time. Listen, you and I, we need to handle ourselves like Jesus and give the right answer at the right time. Sometimes the world will try to force us into two boxes, either you fit in this box or you fit in that box, but sometimes there is option C, and that's exactly where God wants us to be this morning. And so as we look at uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, story this morning, this true story of Jesus in this account, and the reminder that we are to render to God the things that are God, or render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, we need to be mindful not to just put everything in one box or the other, but see what the Lord has for us. Jesus gave the brilliant answer. The things that are God's, give them to God's. The things that are Caesar's, give them to Caesar's. The Herodians and the Pharisees had no comeback. If the coin had Caesar's face on it, then it rightfully belongs to him, and he could ask for it back. And those things that belong to God, he gets to ask for those things back as well. I propose to you today that God has given each of us that live in this country an obligation and responsibility to give back both to our country, but also to our Creator, those things that rightfully belong to their owner. I mentioned this just a moment ago as we were taking up the offering, that every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. That's not just our money. That's the breath that we breathe to get us to work. That's the time that God gives us each and every day to steward. All of these, whether it's time, talents, or treasures, are all up to us to steward. And we need to rightfully discern what needs to go back to what place. And those uh, things that belong to God, uh, they are to be given back to God as well, as He uh, deems fit. And so... Uh, God has ordained government, and we should respect it and follow it as we humbly obey God's commands. I understand this morning that's an unpopular thought. Government, as wicked as it is, how could it possibly be ordained by God? We'll look at verses today to help uh, support what I'm, what I'm saying. But uh, rightfully, uh, we also see likewise, we need to recognize that we are made in God's image 
and likeness, and He has every right to ask back from us those things that He so requires. So this morning, let's look a little bit deeper into Matthew chapter 22 and and discern what the Word of God is telling us through this command. Let's look at two main thoughts this morning as we consider the command of Christ, give God what belongs to Him. Before we do so, before we uh, understand what God has for us, we uh, must understand first our responsibility to government. Our responsibility to government. We are citizens of two kingdoms today. You understand that? If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible promises you a place in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And we look forward to that promise. We look forward to that time where one day we will be in a perfect kingdom, away from sin, with a perfect Savior for all of eternity, in a place called heaven. We rejoice in that. That's our primary citizenship. All of us should be living for that citizenship in mind. But nonetheless, we look around today, and we are in the United States of America. We celebrated this past uh, week on July 4th our independence as a nation. We celebrate the fact that we still have freedom. Was anybody arrested when they came to church today? Because they came to church? Not I. I didn't even think twice about it. I'm thankful that here in the United States of America, I didn't have to fear if I was going to be uh, arrested, if there was going to be guards that came in, arrested all of us. I knew for sure that I had the freedom to come here and assemble. I'm thankful for the freedom of speech. I'm thankful uh, for uh, the right to bear arms. I'm thankful for uh, all the different things we have here in this society today. But with these freedoms comes responsibility. And ever since, uh, ever since that, uh, uh, July 4th, 1776, we're reminded that America still has a little bit of a rebellious streak. Do we not? Right? We rebelled against the King of England, and some people will put this on the, the back of, uh, their bumper. They'll say treason is the reason for the season. Have you ever seen a bumper sticker like that? I saw it just a couple times. Treason is the reason for the season, right? Uh, we like that. Uh, the reality is that our country began as a result of rebellion from a tyrannical king of England back in the 1700s. But you know what? We still like to rebel today. And sometimes we'll take for granted our, our, uh, our freedoms and we'll try to push back. And uh, we don't want anyone to tell us. Uh, what to do any longer than four years. So we vote uh, all over again and replace our leaders. And uh, if, if we decide we don't like them anymore, right? What happens when America doesn't get their way on the ballot box? Well, we complain. Sometimes we'll use this phrase, not my president. Right? We all kind of, in a sense, no matter where you land, right or left, doesn't matter this morning, we all, as... Sinful human beings, sinful Americans, we have a little bit of a rebellious streak uh, within us. Uh, personally, I'm not a fan of politicians. When you break that word apart, the word poly uh, means many. And the word ticks, well, those are blood-sucking animals. And so uh, I don't want anything to do with that, right? Um, but uh, nonetheless, right, while you and I may not love politics, one thing is for certain, government is instituted and endorsed by God 
to exercise judgment over men. Many of our, are many of our politicians corrupt? Well, unfortunately, yes. Well, we should not turn a blind eye to it. We all should be, should be focused on what God's Word says and requires from us towards government. Many Christians have a pretty good idea of what their uh, politician is doing wrong, but have no clue over their own biblical responsibility in regards to their governmental leaders. And so as we have our responsibility to government, let's look at some of these things from Scripture that we are required from us in the area of our government. What is it required? Uh, letter A, we are to obey. We are to obey. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> First Peter chapter two. We'll look at several verses here as it's really clear as day our responsibility that we are to have to obey our government officials. In a sense, it really sets us apart from other world religions. There are some out there today, some cults and some other religious leaders that would push back against government. But God affirms that we are to obey and we are to honor those that are in authority over us. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 13 says this, Submit yourselves. That word submit's a hard word. Submit. To put yourself under willfully. Choose to be under. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the kings as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent from him uh, for the punisher of evildoers and for the praise of them that ye uh, that uh, um, let me let me read that again and for the praise of them that do well for so it is the will of God that with, uh, with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the King. I find it funny how we use sometimes the Bible for our own convenience. Many men, their favorite verse of Scripture is uh, Ephesians 5.22, which reads, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Right? We like, submit, submit. But as leaders, as, as a leader of people, uh, I want uh, others to submit to the leadership and authority, to, uh, to all of our leadership and authority. It's healthy for us. It's good for us if we will but submit ourselves and understand that God placed authority over us as an umbrella of protection, as an umbrella uh, of, of uh, uh, again, protection, security. Um, you think of different levels of, of authority that are over us, right? As a kid, a child has parents over them. And that parent helps to uh, helps them to stay safe, helps them to uh, get food and other necessities that the child themselves are not able to get, helps to steer them away from people that uh, are dangerous, helps them to keep them uh, safe. That's the first umbrella that's over a kid. But then as you grow up, you understand you lose that umbrella of safety at some point, right? I realized after I got married, uh, I couldn't call my dad anymore and say, hey, can you pay the electric bill? Hey, uh, we need some food in the fridge. Can you help me with that? 
No, no, no. I understand now I am in responsibility. And now I, as the husband, have somebody that I need to take care of. That is my wife. And so I've moved up on the authority list. But listen, while I've moved up on the authority list, I've moved up on the responsibility list. And there's a lot of teenagers out there that would love to have authority over people, but they hate the responsibility. I just spent a week with a bunch of teens. I understand that. <laughs> right? Everybody wants to grow up. Everybody wants to be in the shoes of being able to dictate to people what they are to do. But a lot of times we don't like the responsibility that comes with it. A lot of us, even we move up the, the, the chart here, so to speak, and beyond uh, parenting and being a, a, a spouse or something like that, we of course have government officials. We have our police officers. A lot of us like to point the finger at police officers at what they should have done. Well, I'd do a better job as a police officer. Well, do you want that same responsibility as a police officer? One of the most eye-opening moments of, of my, uh, my life was I did a, a couple ride-alongs with some police officers. You know, one of the scariest things as we pulled up on people, maybe pulled them over or had to deal with difficult situations, you know one of the scariest things a uh, police officer faces? The element of the unknown. What is just maybe a simple, uh, just pulling somebody over for speeding, they don't know what they're going to get when they roll down the window. They don't know what uh, is going to happen when they open a door and just try to see a domestic dispute and try to, to, to uh, uh, even that out. They don't know when they get a call, dispatched to go somewhere. Listen, that level of stress, that level of responsibility that is on our police officers is huge. Do all police officers, uh, are they all perfect? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm thankful that they hold the authority that they do and that they have the responsibility they have to... Uh, protect and serve our communities. I'm thankful for that. We even go up the list a little bit more. We think of mayors or uh, uh, different people in our local government that we are uh, that, that directly impact us. You go up a little bit higher. You go uh, state senate, state representatives, and then even beyond that, those that are in Washington. And they almost seem like movie stars to us because the news media just they gotta they gotta watch them, you know. Uh, somebody falls off a bike. They gotta publish it, right? Uh, they, they're all over. These, these politicians in, uh, in, in Washington. And so, uh, they, uh, uh, we, we, we scrutinize them. We put them under a microscope. But listen, you and I, sometimes we really, on this side of eternity, will never know the type of responsibility and stress that is on some of these people in authority. And so how can we, as Christians, uh, be the people that God wants us to be? He tells us to obey every ordinance of man. And we'll look here that we're to obey the highest authority. And that's God, ultimately. If government tells us we are to do uh, something that's contrary to Scripture, we obey the higher authority, which is God. But there are certain things I think you and I can understand we can get behind. Right? Uh, 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 sometimes government puts things in order just to save us, just to, to, to protect us. You know, uh, uh, every so often uh, I get to do something in my house called change the batteries in the smoke detector, right? 
and uh, you start to hear it chirp. You say, okay, all right, I've got to do something about this. It gets annoying. You know what the easy thing to do is? You take it off, throw out the battery, chuck the thing in the garage, and be done with it, right? But the reason why government uh, has city ordinances that say you should have a smoke detector uh, outside every bedroom and on every level and all those different things is not to simply lord over you. It's to protect you. you got a fire that's brewing in your basement and you're sound asleep on the second floor, you're going to be thankful you got that smoke detector that wakes you up in the middle of the night because there's a problem. You understand? Everybody with me this morning? There's certain things I think it's easy for us to get behind, but again, we got that little rebellious streak in us. we got that American mentality. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight against them. Uh, listen, we are to obey. We are to uh, honor them. We are to do what we can to get along with our leaders. And so uh, we are rebellious in nature. We don't want to follow the rules, especially when we think uh, they're uh, nonsensical or uh, inconvenient, right? Driving, going 50 miles an hour is a suggestion. I can really go 70 and I'll be fine. What do these governmental leaders know, right? I want to go faster. I want to get there quicker. Uh, we need to obey even those things. And so uh, I think we all need to hit the altar tonight, right? Uh, we all need to say, hey, listen, I need to obey even these little things. Uh, have you ever driven the wrong way down a one-way street? even if it was just for a short distance. I was on the highway the other day, and I could tell this guy was coming up the on-ramp, and he realized real quick he wasn't supposed to be on, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, uh, supposed to be on that road. And, and he, he just began to put his car in reverse and went reverse back down uh, the, the, uh, the on-ramp there. Don't do that, okay? Uh, not, not a good uh, policy. Thankfully, it was, it was late at night. There's nobody around. But listen, uh, those little things, you say, well, look, the house is right there. The destination is right there. If I just make this quick U-turn, when, uh, even though the sign says I shouldn't. Uh, listen, we need to obey these things and get behind them. Uh, they are what uh, God has ordained for us. And so... We won't belabor this point uh, much more, but uh, I do want you to understand that we are to obey those that are in authority. But then we also should pay those that are in authority. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Have you turned to these verses for a reason? Because... We may understand that there is an overarching message in the Bible that we are to obey authority, but we need to look at the specific words of God this morning. We need to understand this is exactly what He intends for us. He makes it plainly clear for us to see. And so, Romans chapter 13, verse number 1, I'll read several verses here. The Bible says this, "...let every soul be subject unto the higher power." For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So everything that you see that has authority over you is put in place by God. They don't have power unless God gives them power. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. So imagine that. If you resist the authority that is over you, in essence you are resisting God. You are resisting His plan. And they that resist shall receive to them damnation, themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God uh, to thee for good. 
But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, or avenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Look at verse number 6. This is where it's key. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, that they, uh, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Think about that. Verse number 6, we are to pay tribute to them. All of these uh, things today are pointing towards our government, pointing towards the fact that we are to uh, hold them in high esteem. We are to obey, obey, we are to pay. Uh, ben Franklin famously said this, there are two things that are sure in life, death and taxes. Right? Death and taxes. Be sure of that. Uh, they, uh, there is no getting around it. What do you find uh, on the front of your quarter? Anybody have a quarter with them? What's on the front of the quarter? George Washington. Good job. That was a little trivia there. Uh, George Washington. Uh, surely uh, we can say render unto Washington the things that are Washington's. Right? Give it back to them. We have taxes. We have responsibilities. They, uh, they do need to be paid. And listen, let me take a step back, all right? You say, well, you know, that's easy to say when there's good rulers in charge. Listen, the book of Romans is written during a time when one of the most wicked rulers was in power. He, he was not executing uh, just bad people. Nero was executing Christians. Nero was doing some uh, uh, extremely terrible things to, uh, to the Christian church. And yet, the Bible still records to us that we are to give honor to whom honor is due. We are to uh, submit ourselves to them and uh, we are to pay them. We are to do uh, what God intends us to do in this manner. Matthew chapter 22, if you go back there, uh, verse number 20 and 21 says this, And he said unto them, uh, who's uh, this image on this subscription? They said unto Caesar. Then uh, saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. There are two things uh, that the people in Connecticut love to complain about, the cold and the taxes. I uh, hear regularly, uh, when I retire, I'm moving to Florida or to the Carolinas. How many of you are going to move to Florida when you retire? Right. Uh, I was just talking to my parents the other day and uh, they were they had that same mentality. They said, we're going to Florida and uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a long trip uh, for me to visit them. I think with uh, baby boy coming up in August, I think that trip may be delayed, but we'll see. Um, but uh, nonetheless, right, we like to complain. We like to complain about the cold, but uh, especially in uh, in Connecticut, we like to complain about our taxes, unreasonable taxes. If you desire to move, uh, that's clearly a right to do so. But while you live here, you should pay your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't be late on your taxes. Be a good citizen and pay your taxes on time. God's people should be known as honest and having the highest amount of character. So obey them, pay them, and then lastly we'll see here, pray for them. Pray for them. Not a single person in here 
has a right to complain about any person in authority if you do not pray for them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1 and 2 says this, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then there's a semicolon there, and he's going to explain, for kings, what's that next phrase? And for all that are in authority that we must lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Look at that, look at that phrase. You start reading that verse and you think, uh, we should be making supplication for our church. We should be praying for those that uh, are close to us, that we love. We should be making intercession. We should be thankful for the people that God brings into our life. And all those things are right, all those things are fine and dandy, but according to this passage right here, we find that we are to do all of those things for all men. And if we didn't understand what all men meant, he continues on and says, all that are in authority. Can I tell you this? We are so quick to point the finger at our governor or our president or whomever when they make a mistake. But how many of you have ever, with your own lips, said, I'm glad that they did something right? when they do make something right. We should be just as quick to complain as we are to give thanks to them. And so, uh, we are reminded, First Timothy chapter 2, that we are to pray for them. According uh, to Paul, the role of a Christian in politics is first to pray, intercede, and give thanks to all that are in the authority uh, there. And so, pray for them. Pray for your governmental leaders. All of that, falls under the responsibility of a Christian towards government. But that's only half the message. Understand, that's only for our first citizenship here. But we have another citizenship in heaven, for Jesus continues on, that it is not only that we are to render to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, but then we are also to render to God the things that are God's. And so, we move forward here this morning, we find number two, our responsibility to God, our responsibility to God. Let us not forget we have dual citizenship, as I've uh, mentioned several times already this morning. We have citizenship here on earth, and we have responsibility that comes with that. But if you're saved, you have citizenship in heaven. Turn, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20. We'll read all the way down, uh, all the way through the chapter. And we'll get to verse number 1 of chapter 4 to help lay a good context of uh, what we're talking about today. But Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, I'll start reading. You can jump in when you get there. The Bible says this, For our conversation, our lifestyle, our livelihood is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the works whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved." Jesus introduced us to prioritize, or rather instructs us to, um, to prioritize our heavenly citizenship over our earthly one. 
in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, we covered this just a few weeks ago, where the Bible says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As we look at our responsibility to God, we must be uh, reminded that we are His creation. We are His creation. Every element of our being was created by God. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 20. If you still have your uh, finger there, I turn, uh, turn back and verse number 20 says this. And He said unto him, Who is this image and inscription? Can I tell you this this morning? The coin may have Caesar's uh, image on it, or perhaps in our case, may have George Washington's inscription on it, but all of us are created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26 says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all, all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. And in the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. Every man and woman is an image bearer of God. We do not look uh, like Him, but rather we are made as triune beings. Just as God uh, is, uh, He is a body, He is a soul, and He is a spirit, we are, uh, we are a body, soul, and spirit. Because His image is stamped upon us from the very moment of conception, we have a responsibility to live our lives in the way that pleases Him. There's really a twofold meaning behind what Jesus is saying. If we, if the coin rather is the inscription of our government and we are, uh, have the image of God inscripted on us, we are to live for Him. We are to be what He has called us to be. Some would say it is, uh, 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 what it, uh, let me ask you this question this morning. Uh, what is the main theme of the Bible? Think about that for a moment. What is the main theme of the Bible? You ever think about that? All the books really point to one thing. Some people would say it's the redemption of man, but I would argue that it is bringing glory to God. You see, like it or not, whether you're saved or unsaved, you still can bring glory to God. You understand that? Pharaoh, in his hardness of heart, still was an instrument to bring God glory. And listen, while we do put an emphasis here in church on seeing souls saved, uh, that, that, uh, then you would basically only be saying that the Bible is only applicable uh, to the people who are saved. It goes beyond that. It's all about God, my friend. The Bible does not revolve around you. It does not revolve around me. It revolves around God and His glory. And so, with that being said, uh, you were not created so that God could worship you, but rather so that you would bring glory to God by worshiping Him with the way you live your life. Whether you choose to be saved, you choose to be uh, to not be saved. Listen, God is going to get the glory. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be somebody who gets the benefit of being saved and give God glory that way than be somebody who's an instrument of unrighteousness and still give God glory. And so we are created in His image today. We are created to serve 
Him. And so we must be reminded that our responsibility is to be a good witness, a good testimony, and ultimately glorify God in all of our being. Not only are we His creation, but we are His redemption. We are His redemption. I want to give you just a couple of verses this morning just to remind us about this truth. And perhaps there's somebody here today that you don't understand what it means to be redeemed. You don't understand what it means to have your sins forgiven and know that you are on your way to heaven. John chapter 1, verse number 12 says this, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Listen, my friend, today, all of us have sin in our life. All of us have fallen and come short of the glory of God. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're young, if you're old, if, you're, uh, if you've been in church your whole life, if this is your first day in church. All of us have sin. And the Bible teaches us that in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. That word death, simply put, is separation. It's separation from God for, for eternity because of our sin. As long as you and I have a record of sin on our account, when we die, we're going to face the punishment and the wage that comes with that sin. But the Bible continues on in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I like to illustrate it this way. I like to imagine that I had uh, two pieces of paper here. And uh, on, on one piece of paper I have a, a blank sheet. On the other piece of paper I have all of the sins that I've ever committed, past, present, or future. They're all written on this sheet of paper. On the top of this sheet of paper that has all of these sins, my name is written at the top. And on this blank sheet of paper, there is no sin ever been found, and that sheet belongs to Jesus. And when Jesus came and He died on the cross for the sins of all mankind, this is what He did. He took the paper that had all the sins written on it, and He took the paper that had no sins on it, and He changed His name to be mine on this clean sheet of paper, and He took the sins of my life and put it on His record. And God looks down from heaven on Judgment Day and He sees my name with no sin on it because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And I know for sure then, without my sin, without, uh, uh, with, without anything on my record, I can have a home in heaven for all of eternity. But it comes down to this. It comes down to you choosing whether you want Jesus Christ to take your sin from you or whether you wish to face the wrath that is to come. You say, Pastor Andrew, that's so simple. Why would, why would I not choose that? Well, many people choose to live their life based upon their works. Many people like to put all of their sin on a scale. And on one side, they put, they put all their sin. On the other side, they say, well, God's probably also keeping record of my good things. And as long as my good outweighs my bad, then surely God will accept me. Well, that takes away what God says the punishment of sin is. Just because of one sin, that brings you separation from God. Some people will say this, well, it doesn't matter about my sin, it doesn't matter my good works, it just matters whether I attend church. My friend, that's not what the Bible says either. If you look at this verse that we just read, the Bible says this, John chapter 1, verse number 12. 
but as many as received Him. If you choose Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, you choose to allow Him to take your sin from you, forgive you of your sin, lay it on Him on the cross, then you can have what the Bible says here, you can have the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. If you don't believe that, uh, if you uh, if uh, you need some more support, Second Corinthians chapter five verse number seventeen says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if you know Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you have your sins forgiven. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus died on the cross so that mankind could be redeemed and put back on the right right uh, standing and right standing with the Creator. God looks down at all of us and He sees us as two types of beings. Either sinful, we have sin in our life that God hasn't forgiven, or He looks at us as forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus Christ is the perfect uh, atonement for our uh, sin. There was a boy who once lost a toy uh, sailboat that he had made at his school. The boat was lost in a creek and was found uh, uh, later uh, in a large lake. The boat was discovered and sold uh, to a toy store in town. The little boy began to walk down the street and he walked by this uh, toy store and he saw uh, the, the toy in the, uh, the store. And he walks in, he looks at the owner and he says, Hey, 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 that, belo- that boat belongs to me. It has my name written on the bottom of it. The shop owner told the boy, I bought this boat from a fisherman and if you want it back, you have to pay me the price uh, so you can uh, have it. The boy earned the money and brought it uh, back and bought the boat on his way out of the shop. He hugged that boat to his chest and he said, You are twice mine. I made you and then I bought you. And think about that. That is what God does for us. Is God made us. He put us here on this earth. But because of sin, there was a separation that came. God said, I'm not just going to leave them. I still desire to have fellowship with them. I still desire for them to be with me. And so He paid the price that was necessary for our sin. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for the sins of all mankind, you you and I could never have our sins expunged. But Jesus came and He allowed all of the sins of all mankind to be put on Him. And He has paid the price so that we can have fellowship with Him. And and for those of you that are saved, in essence, it it seems as though that Jesus just takes you under His arm and gives you a hug and and says, "Uh, I'm so glad that I paid the price that was necessary so that I can have fellowship with you again. Perhaps you're somebody under the sound of my voice today. You don't know that you have fellowship with God. You don't know that you've had your sins forgiven, that you have a home in heaven. I, I, in just a few moments, we're going to give an invitation and I'm going to invite you to come down and we'll have somebody show you from the Scripture how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. We've covered many of the elements of salvation already today, but it has to come down to a personal decision that you must make to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So we are redeemed. We are His redemption. 
But finally here, we are His representation. We are His representation. God put us here on this earth. He has done all that's necessary to redeem us. How will we represent Him for the rest of our life? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to encourage you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. I think this is a great verse as we've talked about government already. And we've seen the correlation uh, of how the Christian is to live uh, towards uh, their government and how we are to pray for all of our leaders. But we also see here the correlation uh, of, of uh, representation that we have here uh, in, uh, in our world. And there's a, there's a word, really a government word that's used in this passage of Scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. The Bible says this, Now then we are ambassadors. For Christ. We think of ambassadors, we think of governmental leaders, right? We think of uh, people that go uh, on, our, uh, on a nation's behalf over into uh, another uh, place to represent that country. Uh, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? Someone who represents another country. Uh, according to the notes here, ben, Benjamin Franklin was America's first ambassador. He represented our young country in France. While he had a home there, he was not a citizen, uh, citizen of that country. But rather, he was there uh, on amicable terms for the purpose of strengthening the interests of this country while he was abroad. Can I tell you this today? God has called each of us to represent heaven here on earth. We are to strengthen the kingdom that is to come. And we can do this uh, first and foremost by our righteousness. Our righteousness. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 34 says this, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. As we, as God's people, represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth, we need to do so with our righteousness and understand that sin is a reproach to any people. We should be good representatives. We should abstain from sin. We should live a life that is righteous before God. The best thing that you and I can do for a country is to be the very best Christian that you know how to be. Walk in righteousness. Live a godly life. Follow the laws of both the countries. But even more importantly, the Word of God. Be kind to your neighbor. Can I say this? One of the ways you can be kind to your neighbor... One of the kindest things you can do is witness to them. You know, over my lifetime, I think back of the different neighbors I had. And up here in, in, in New England, you know, your neighbor might as well just be 10 miles down the road because we hardly talk to our neighbors. Anybody with me this morning, right? Uh, I remember for a while we had neighbors. We called them the Poggies. We thought that was their name until the day that we put the for sale sign on our house and they called us up and they said, hi, this is the Poggies. We didn't even know how to pronounce their last name. Uh, that's how close we were. And, uh, and so I think back of all the different neighbors that I've had, you know, in many of those instances, uh, I, for, for me and my wife, either in Texas or uh, even here, we've done our absolute best to help them know that Jesus Christ can be their personal Lord and Savior. In one instance, uh, we had our neighbor come over for marriage counseling. 
Uh, how about that? On to demand counseling. They just came right over and they began to attend our church and we began to talk with them and, and we got to know them. Witness to uh, my neighbor back behind me in Texas. We've uh, given tracts and invites and all different kinds of things to our neighbor here uh, in, in Connecticut. Listen, my friend, be kind to your neighbor. Be a good witness to your neighbor. Live the golden rule that we talked about. Forgive those that wrong you. Go to church. Tell others the gospel message. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit within you. And we're closing here. Just a couple more thoughts. As Christians shine bright in the dark world, we can lead our country back into righteousness and good standing with our God. Let your light so shine before men that what? They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So live in light of eternity. Live with your righteousness. And, and then lastly here, our reconciliation. Our reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5, verse number 18 says this, "...and all things, and all things are of God." who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their transgression unto them, and hath commanded us uh, unto us the word of reconciliation. Committed, rather, unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We just read, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Many people in this world have a deep misunderstanding of who God is and what He wants for their lives. Many are angry at Him and hate Him. Others live in rebellion to Him and defy Him. God has called each Christian to help reconcile the broken world to the healer of hearts, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a good testimony. Help others come to know the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Our pianist is making his way forward. I just want to ask a couple questions to you this morning. We covered a lot. I want to first appeal to the person today who doesn't know Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior. As we talked about salvation today, and we talked about our citizenship in heaven, maybe there's somebody in the sound of my voice, you don't know that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven. My friend, that's what our church here is all about. Trying to help people come to know Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. Is there somebody today, is there somebody to be honest with me? All heads bowed, every eye is closed. But who would be honest today and say, Pastor Andrew, I don't know that if I were to die today, that I'd go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that for certain. Would you slip your hand up, right up, right back down. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to send somebody to go talk to you right now. I just want to know, is there anybody in this room within the sound of my voice that does not know if they were to die today that they'd go to heaven? Slip your hand up right back down. Perhaps there's somebody today that uh, under uh, the preaching, maybe God got a hold of your heart and said, Hey, I understand that I'm a citizen here of the United States. 
Or I'm at least dwelling within this land. And I need to be a better citizen. I need to obey. I need to pay. And I need to pray for our government. Is there somebody today that says, you know, Pastor Andrew, pray for me. I need to be a better citizen of where I'm at. I need to be a better prayer warrior for our government. I need to pray. I need to obey just a little bit better. Thank you for your honesty. Appreciate that. You put your hands down. Lastly, this morning, maybe there's somebody that says, I think I'm a pretty uh, a decent uh, citizen here in the United States, but I think I'm a very poor testimony for the citizenship that is to await me. I think I'm a poor testimony of, of, uh, 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 of, of heaven here on earth. I could be a little bit better. There's somebody that says, I need to be a little bit better representing heaven here on earth. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to be a better representation of heaven here on earth. Thank you. Hands all over. I appreciate your honesty. I'm going to pray for you right now. In just a moment, we'll have the piano play. If God has worked in your heart in some way, I invite you to come down.